Hello and welcome to Shite and Sound, the podcast where two comedians watch one of the masterpieces of world cinema with a critically reviled film that is similar in some way. Maybe they share themes, plot, actors or director. We want to see if counterpointing these two films can bring out some new information or insights. On this episode we watched number 10 on the Sight and Sound list, The Man of the Movie Camera, Ziga Vertov's freeform document of life in the USSR. Our second film this week is The Wind from the East, the Ziga Vertov Group's freeform document of what happens when Jean-Luc Godard runs out of inspiration. Hello, my name is Yutha Shite. And I am Film Sound Nicholas. And today we are here together to inaugurate, to celebrate, to exacerbate the fact in our quest started with uh, the earrings of Madame de which had those extras that turned into burning light <laughs> all the way through oh, the other films we've talked about. Yeah, all, but like, Bill and Ted being better than uh, uh, The Seventh Seal. Seal. Now, me y- watching Possession and losing my mind. That 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 might be why you're here. I, I'm here to announce that I am forming a new state. It's called uh, the Union of uh, Shite and Sound Republics. <laughs> okay, I uh, let's... I like the idea of your bit, but I just want to put a pin in it because we, it's a grand occasion within the Shite and Sound household. That's right. Uh, for some reason, for that long period of lockdown, we insisted on recording over <laughs> Skype when we were right next door to each other. Uh, uh, cause it's like, it's like a, it's like a, like a sitcom, right? Mm. Um, yep. uh, uh, you get to be Wilson and I get to be Tim Allen. Let's hear it then. You know the noise I want you to make. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. I, I, I didn't go guttural enough with, with oh, oh. Yeah, the great moment that we celebrate is that we sit on the cusp. We're at number ten. Yeah. on the list. We're doing the countdown. First, we start man with a movie camera, and then he's going to fall all that way to hello, hello. We'll be in a place called Vertigo. Join the countdown with us. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought we should make it a bit of an event. Sure, yeah. I was going to be like, let's talk about how there's a pretend parade, but you clear. But as part of this, there has been a pretend parade. We just haven't talked about it. It has still occurred. But Finn, yeah. uh, uh, I, with all my pageantry, I ignored your great announcement, which is you're forming a state yeah yeah the union of shite and sound republics oh yeah uh and i and i'm changing my middle name from sound to stalin <laughs> and uh, <laughs> okay. i'm just gonna get this ball rolling so why am i are you forcing me to be involved or are you just taking our, our like co-owned brand name <laughs> i mean look <laughs> I, I, I don't believe in coercion but <laughs> i do have this gun okay when you say you don't believe in coercion... I, I don't think it exists, and you can't do anything to prove otherwise. I could. You <laughs> you cannot do anything to prove otherwise. Finn is pointing 
a very real uh, yeah, gun. Very realistic gun. <laughs> Not at all just his two fingers. So you were a two-finger finger gun? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because people one-finger finger guns, that's just well, a that's a pea shooter. Well, I mean, if you're given someone the finger guns, you do one finger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Like two. Click in two, but like yeah. when you are making a gun with yeah, your when hand. You, when you're making a gun with your hand, it's two, it's, it's two fingers and the thumb. Uh, unless, of course, you're a Kral android from the android invasion where you can just shoot out your finger. Yeah. And like sometimes if, you, if you're feeling fancy, you, you might put a third finger underneath as like a trigger, but like that doesn't look as good. Yeah, no. It looks like fucking shit, actually. We, we definitely did have very similar times in primary school right yeah. remember when you were just like you know if i put my hands flat while i run i'll cut the air uh yeah yeah, yeah okay yeah. so yeah, yeah. i okay so i did that but <laughs> i was so sure you were going to be like sorry i invented well that. no okay so i 100 percent did that but part of me doing that was trying to convince myself that i was a robot and that i was going in <laughs> and so so like what i would say when i was running right is if i needed to go faster i would like whisper to myself like activate overdrive and then i'd make my hands go flat and uh, try run faster so okay did you really believe you I, were a robot i have no idea <laughs> okay uh, i don't know what's happening in my mind now you do you're founding a cunt. Okay. <laughs> so this country, yeah. this Union of States, yeah. tell me, riddle, riddle me this. It's me, the Riddler. What, Finn? Yeah. What's going on there? It is a country based on the teachings of, uh, of every single supposedly communist film. I ran every single communist film through an AI and got it to average them out yeah. and create a series of ideas and principles upon which to found a country. And then you put those into Dole E, the AI image thing, and yeah. that created all the images uh, for the yeah. film that you now well, place yeah. constantly in your mind. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I used that to create a flag. Which is what? Well, I mean, there's a mess up. And now our flag is a Frasier holding a sickle and hammer. <laughs> Oh, Kelsey Grammer will not be no, happy he, about it. He, he, he won't. Uh, too busy hanging out on a money train. Or was it a money plane? It was plane? a money plane. <laughs> the movie where he plays The Rumble. <laughs> Darius Grouch Jr., The Rumble. So you're celebrating us? Money plane in theatres now. <laughs> Entering the, the the final stretch of this phase of Shite and Sound. Yeah. Uh, uh, but before, oh, future fun times. Uh, by... Starting a country. I yes. just, I do need you to really unpack that for me. Uh, so I... What, like how... So you're basing it on all these films. Yeah. That's our flag. Uh, Frasier himself. Yeah. Where uh, do we go from there? Well, uh, I am currently uh, working up a plan to annex Greylin. Uh, okay. I'm not... Ha- okay, how? Well, I'm, as I said, I'm coming up with a plan. Okay. Uh, oh, then uh, I, I, can I, I move I, to my second question? Sure. Why? <laughs> well, we need we need we need we need space for we need space for this new country. Okay. And uh, and like and like Greylands a pretty short walk from where from from where from where I already live. Yeah. And would you move or would you be re- ruling the I, country? I could, I could, I could commute. <laughs> I don't know. If you're ruling, I presume you're ruling the state. Yeah. And I get to be like, number two. For now, yeah, yeah. For now. Oh, there are going to be so many purges. (laughs) So many many purges. But but luckily, no one will have to watch the purge movies anymore. Not allowed. 
Are they not? Well, here is okay, here, here's the thing: the Purge movies are trying to be like politically leftist, but I don't think James DeMonaco was uh, smart enough to actually express any of those ideas in a good way. And like, luckily, it is uh, very easy to distinguish which films are and are not communist, and there was no uh, nonsense factionalism involved in any of these debates in left wing circles. Hey, look, if I know one thing about the left. It is that we don't have a ideological purity issue that is, in fact, emboldening and empowering our opposition uh, uh, so that they can continue what I personally consider to be uh, a like genus, several genocides across the world, you know? But like Finn, it, it, this is normally a a, a film podcast, yep. not a announcing a new communist state podcast. Mm. Why? What has brought that up for you? Well, I forced you to watch some movies. I mean, one wasn't forcing. One was Man with a Movie Camera, which I found entertaining and enlightening, enlightening and uh, inspiring. Mm. And, and the other, which you introduced to me as John Luke Goddard's most boring film, check out Historia's de Cinema episode if you want a sense of the level we're talking about here. And that did feel like revenge for something yeah. that I'm not quite. I do. Okay, I guess the key thing is, uh, what have I? What did I do? Well, uh, you are a revisionist. And uh, so, uh, and so you, you, and so you have to be uh, stamped out in the purges. Okay, what do I do that is re- revision? Uh, you, I, d- I, uh, I gotta you- tell you, look at my exam results. <laughs> I don't do much revision at all. <laughs> I watch a lot of things more than once, so that's revision. So yeah. uh, you, uh, you edit this podcast. It's, I mean, that, you also edit this podcast. Fuck you! How dare you! <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Okay. You placed these two films together. They're both clearly uh, a man with a movie camera, uh, number 10 on the list, a definitional work of montage. As I said, Mm. it is like he saw Potemkin, which came out about three years before. Yeah, and he said, uh, you're a bunch of fucking cowards. Yeah, look at you having a story, you absolute shithead cowards. I fucking hate you. And then uh, 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 made a uh, 70, 80 minute. Yeah. Uh, uh, It it genuinely depends on the frame rate and cut you're watching. Montage across Ukraine as as propaganda for the Ukrainian and Soviet governments that also manages to be... One of the most arresting things you can see. Well, you can try and fathom narrative to it, right? Sure. The version we saw, we saw the Masters of Cinema, the Eureka version, which (laughs) uh, looks incredible. Uh, They had access to, like... Uh, one of the master negatives, like one of the straight dupes off the camera. And, and so it is like, it looks great and restores that it is in six parts, which it is often not. Yes. And those six parts, like, loosely track course of a day. Oh, yeah. 
one is just this is the world it is empty and two yeah, is like uh, the yeah. beginning of the day but i kept thinking i kept being like because part one ends with people going somewhere mm. and then you start in the city and i was like oh it's a travel it's a tra- each of the six steps is a different place and then i realized i was wrong with that i didn't you telling me now that it is a times of the day thing I had not thought of that. Right. R- like, roughly, right? But you can't, like, it's, Einst- it's Einsteinian, <laughs> uh, a theory of montage, right? Like, you get, you see people signing a marriage certificate, then you see people signing a divorce certificate. Yeah. A- and, like, what the, st- it's up to you in a way that is very liberating, mm. right? It feels like quite fresh and open to watch i guess the like six parts briefly part one is is the like start of a day it has like people waking up of babies in nurseries babies being born even mm. uh i mean it shows the world start to move you have like a bunch of shots of trains there's one incredible bit where the cameraman is lying down on the train tracks with a train coming right towards him and it's very stressful it is so and stressful. i don't quite know how they achieved it without the camera then destroying the camera that's being filmed with yeah maybe a mirror anyway the closest thing this film has to a narrative to give you a sense of what it looks like because saying it is just images just montage somewhat hides the fact that we are we get shot we we see the shots of people in the street seeing the camera sometimes not seeing the camera things that are more staged things that are left less staged but the thing we keep cup keep keep cutting to is the cameraman and his camera filming it sometimes we're watching him film something we've just seen sometimes we're looking right down his lens it is obsessed with making sure you know that uh you know it's called man with a movie camera and that's what it's about and maybe he has some kind of an arc even before part one starts the very first thing we see is a tripod and then Mm. standing on top of a tripod is uh is i mean standing on top of a tripod is ziga vertov with another tripod and the camera and it's like it's like a superimposition or like a split screen it is a split screen i think and it is the the special effects in this film must have been insane for their time because they're not like obviously we've talked about the greatest special effect which is having loads of people and there's quite a bit of that but mainly um this is a film where the special effects are like they're optical Mm. they are cuts they are double exposures they're split screens interlacing things there's fades and wipes and i just can't imagine what it was like because it is still good now yeah right i just can't imagine what it was like what was it like then you know uh, the film was edited by a woman called elizaveta uh, servlova mm. who i think was who i think and, was vertov's wife well i think we see her in the film Quite right? possibly yeah uh, uh, uh she, i think she is the person we see because we also get we see scenes of the film being developed of it being arranged how they're cutting it yeah um well, so um after the opening shots of ziga vertov standing on standing on top of a tripod the like next thing we see is a bunch of people filing into a movie theater and the chairs magically falling and i mean it's automated somehow but there are just i can't stress how many shots of seats you know like Mm. stadium seating folding down for people there are yeah and then it shows us inside the projection booth 
and we see the camera start up and and the film rolls through and then everyone in the theater and us the audience start to watch the film yeah and uh, uh, it is a bit arch like now you're like yeah okay cool but like so much of the appeal of cinema early on was seeing life right Mm. like so much of the early like really early shit really early shit was people using film cameras like um you know, oh God, photo booths at weddings, right, yeah. at events, they'd film some stuff at the beginning, run off, develop it, and then show it at the end. And so starting by showing people themselves, because they are, it's not a big fancy audience, it's all different kinds of people. Yeah. Uh, there's a, just an incredibly beautifully chubby baby uh, uh, sits in one of them. Uh, it's just, it's good stuff, you know? Mm. Um, and well, no, it is, it is showing them that it's about them, which is like when you start looking for the Soviet propaganda in this, you find it, you know? Also, importantly, the film opens with a card saying, this is a new kind of movie making. It has no script. It has no actors. This is an attempt to create a truly international cinema. Which, that is a interesting way to look at it right because to me it does not feel like the language of cinema that was already evolving uh integrated these things rather than it becoming its own thing Mm. do you know what i mean and like obviously and we'll get to when we talk about when from the east there are people who take it and run really far into art film and Mm. alternative film but it is also like so much of like the pace and joy, like the delight in seeing real people on screen, but then cutting to like uh, moments of of spectacle or beauty. There's lots of great shots of buildings. It feels like the rhythm of cinema we're used to now. It yeah. it is incredibly watchable and like even the thing of making a documentary where the documentarian is like a character in it and is sort of a star is like well yeah if the film has a star yeah yeah well no if the film has a star it's the workers sure like that in particular is like so influential on how documentaries are made now where these fucking idiots can't keep themselves out of it i okay who are you talking about there uh michael moore uh the director of the movie winnebago man uh, I'm, I'm sure a bunch of other people. I what is like the Broomfield thing that you are describing there? Nick Broomfield does it as well. Right. The Theroux thing, yeah. The Farrier thing. Um, I think it it's better to have that than to not. Have oh, sure. That, I'm, not, right? I'm not. I'm not saying it's like. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, like, I, I, I think like Louis Theroux is very good at what he does. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is stand there and look a bit awkward. Yeah. That is, to be clear, I, I also love Louis Theroux. Uh, uh, um, there, it is. Oh yeah, no. The problem is people miss doing it, right? Like, sure. Yeah. The the Michael Moore. Of the success of Roger and me, which works because he is someone in, with a personal connection mm. to the issue investigating, didn't realise that the issue was the thing and not him. I mean, some people, his films make money. Yeah, and uh, Fahrenheit 9-11 got like a 20-minute standing ovation when it premiered at Cannes. 
Yeah, and he got booed when he won uh, uh, Best Documentary for Bowling for Columbine because he simply said that going to war with Iraq was bad. I want I want to interview everyone that booed him there. I feel like that's a documentary, you know, where I'm with a microphone outside Clint Eastwood's house. Ha- not Clint Eastwood's house, he would shoot Charlton me. Charlton Heston. No, no, no. Charlton Heston is in Bowling for Columbine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no. I'm talking about who I can... Bowling for Columbine. Uh, Again. Okay, who, who, who loves the Iraq war? Uh, Hayao Miyazaki. <laughs> what? He refused to accept his best animated feature Oscar for for, for House Moving Castle because That's of the Iraq right. war. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. No, well, like, he's, uh, he does seem, right, like the kind of guy who would be like, you know, who would Hitchens and support the Iraq war. Because they sh- they suck. <laughs> I don't think either of them suck. Mm. I just like being mean about things Finn likes. Oh. Uh, so, and to be clear, I do consider Christopher Hitchens a thing. No, he's he's really not a person anymore. He wasn't back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. In part one, it mostly focuses on birth, on babies, on waking up in the morning, and yeah. on and on the world start to move. There's a great bit of a woman, like, splashing water on her face and, like, blinking, trying to get the sleep out of her eyes. I mean, it intercuts that with, I think, the same woman, like, opening and closing Venetian blinds. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of between the, like, blinking and the, and the blinds opening and closing. And it is a, a relentless, yeah. I guess is what I would call it, but, like, in a way that doesn't feel uh, like... You know, there are. It's not the Gaspar Noe thing. It's not about making you feel uncomfortable. It's about. It's the true power of the cut, right? Mm. Like, the power of the cut makes your heart beat. And so the faster you cut, the more you thrill your audience. Yeah. Uh, which, yeah, that is uh, my negative review of The Northman, a film I really like. Mm. Um, I like. No, I do really like mm. it. Just. Anyway, we'll talk about it, maybe. Uh, It is, And so in this speed, this juxtaposition of all these morning activities, because it grows and grows beyond that woman waking up in the blinds, it is that it feels, it's invigorating, right? Like it feels, for something that intellectually is so staid, and kind of so transparent the fact that it feels so exciting is uh is the great achievement once again we come to a film i hadn't seen on this list from the past and i go into it being like oh this is going to be boring but worthy and then i see it and i'm like oh no this is is good yeah like (laughs) like you at home you've probably seen it but like i who would I show this film to? People who are okay with watching silent films without plots, you yeah. know? Uh, People who consider film and art not a distraction, and to be clear, both are legitimate readings. Around the time this came out, in, in, in the, the like mid to late 20s, a lot of people uh, were making a type of movie that is that is now called the, like, the, the, like City Symphony. Have you seen any of those sorts of movies? Uh, I like... Like I can picture and hear it. Like mm. I, like I know it. I couldn't tell you a name. Yeah. So I've okay. either seen a documentary about them or like one. Right. Yeah. 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 The, the, I, I know what they are. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. The the, the 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 only other one that I've seen is uh uh is from I think like twenty five and it's called uh, Berlin uh, Symphony of a Great City. Well, and like playtime kinda. Sure. But like, that, but that's a, but that's much later. 
and not yeah, no, no, no. I'm just saying, yeah, yeah. like, like, like it, it, it playtime. Uh, the Tati is not not a city symphony, sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and like and like, what these sorts of films do is is they showcase the like life and function of a particular city. Yeah, going between the people and the vehicles and the industry and like how everything works yeah. together. And well, and, and the impression I have is that they are always like it is about. It's like almost a catsy thing, right? In that yeah. it is about, uh, I mean, there is a clear lineage there, but in the sense that humans within it are beings within a world, they're not individuals. Yeah. And they're like, like you might have a moment with one person, but that it's the same at looking at a single spider monkey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it is the beginning of like observational documentaries. Mm. Which, which, yeah, which, which are more about just kind of like watching humans the same way humans watch animals. Of the two of it I've seen, this is by far my favourite. There is good stuff in Berlin, Symphony of a Great City, and like parts of it were shot by Karl Freund, and like that's cool. But I, I, I don't know who that is. Uh, director, the Mummy, Matt, the original, like yeah. what? Congrats! But also cinematographer on Metropolis. Dracula, oh, yeah. The Last Laugh, Key Largo, uh, The Great Zigfield, uh, Tartuffe. Which Tartuffe? The Murnau one. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, of course. Damn, yeah. Look, uh, you know, from context, I could have worked that out, maybe. And invented uh, sitcom lighting. Because oh, yeah, he worked on I Love Lucy. But this film is much more than a city symphony. No, right? I, 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 and, absolutely, which, and is, which is why I like it more. As much as it is a pion to workers and the proletariat in a way that both, I think that's good. I think those means of production, they're in the wrong hands. But also this is, like Potemkin, a propaganda for... Uh, things that would go real bad and this is a lot more about like this the the core of those ideals mm, yeah of like everyone is special because we work together and the world is delightful this film gives as much respect as to when it is like shooting a, a unhoused person on the street and he seems to wake up and be like what are you doing it's great as to you know like people going down the boulevards or a mountain um in a way in, in a way i find more palatable because it isn't about lionizing violence sure. by people who would go on to kill <laughs> to put not to put too fine a point on it yeah. say i'm the only bee in your bonnet make a little birdhouse in your soul what I yeah we've said so many people are the star the worker is the star the city is the star the, the trains of ca- a star the camera is the star the cameraman is the star but this real star is uh the editor yeah right this and I and I'm sure I still don't know how to say his name uh, give it a shot. Giavertov? I've always heard it pronounced Ziga. Ziegavertov. Okay. So, and uh, Ziegavertov and uh, the editor... Elizaveta Svilova. And it is what they do, what they've done, 
is invent the microcosmos cutsy trick, which is somehow you make a feature length film. She's showing really close up footage of bugs. Of, with no clear narrative. Mm. I mean, microcosmos has a bit of narration, I think. I just wanted to it's mention. Like, hey, this bug, oh, he's up to no good. <laughs> this, is, this bug, he's the, uh, he's the evil bug, we'll call him. Uh, Oh, uh, fuck it. Uh, let's, uh, let's call him McCavity. Yeah, he's, he's the most evil bug. Uh, he's done. He's, uh, he's broken all the laws, this bug. Oh, yeah. what, a, what, a, what a bad guy. Uh, okay. Oh, that, that bug over there? Oh, she's the nice bug. Um, oh, what, uh, what, what is she up to right now? Um, oh, she's cool. Oh, she's the nice bug. Uh, she's kind of, she's new in town. Was Okay, oh, she's, uh, she's, we'll call it, oh, we'll call it Victoria. Oh, fuck, we're just doing cats now. Fuck, we're just, okay, no, we're just doing cats with bugs. That's, that's not going to work. The uh, reason pets. These, these bugs aren't fuckable enough. These bugs aren't fuckable enough for us to be cats. The- they also can't, actually, they also can't sing. That's another real issue with this, uh. Okay. I mean, people not being able to sing it didn't stop cats. Yeah. Uh, it's why Pixar sold to Disney. Okay, is that they better do a great job on, they on lost, music for this. They lost so much money uh, fighting the lawsuit from the microcosmos people that Bugs Life was plagiarized. And so they were ripe for the taking, you know? And that's why their next film was about Disney. Monsters, Inc. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, so, I know uh, the, the idea. This film. I'm never. I'm never getting out of this house. <laughs> building structure. This, this is where I die. Building a structure of images that feels as fulfilling and, and as like watchable and like hookable into and, and as um a narrative film do you know what i mean and like part of that is obvious stuff we see a train pick people up and we wonder where they're going but sometimes it is the juxtaposition of images it is an incredible magic trick uh, uh and the journey it takes us through through this city because we have you know We've met the city. The city has woken up. Where does it take us, Finn? Well, so part two is all about transportation. Yeah. It, it, Transport, motorways, and tram lines. Yeah. yeah. It, this, of course, made me furious. Uh, <laughs> like the worst person in the world, because when I see trams, I just get angry. That's all. That's all I wanted to say. Mm-hmm. And it was rude of me to so deliberately throw to you. Yeah, well, a bit, yeah. Uh, once you get one of those notebooks out and write a, a handwritten apology note to me? No. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't... I apologised verbally. Mm-hmm. So you don't accept... <laughs> you, you don't accept my... Do you remember being a child where someone not accepting your apology felt like genuine drama in your life? I'm just trying to think of a time I apologised for something. <laughs> Man with a movie camera. No, I think I was just in the right all the time. <laughs> I made I made a lot of good decisions as a child. This beautiful magic of montage. Yes. And with it, they take us on a voyage through the city, starting with transport. And yeah. then where do we go? Well, so, yeah. So, the thing about transport is... So, we see all the doors of a tram station open up, and like 15 trams come out. A crazy amount of trams. Yeah. It uh, feels uh, like a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> trams. I start going through the streets, picking people up, dropping them off. 
Sorry, there's still clowns on my mind. <laughs> we see like horses and carriages. We see a few like private automobiles start to drive around. If we're following the like day in a life of the city type thing, it's now like seven a.m. and people are on their way to work. Yeah, which seems insane to me. People being yeah. awake at six thirty in the morning is the work of psychopaths. It's oh, horrifying. Yeah, I I'm glad that we are the two people who can agree that the very con- like you know when you're awake for whatever reason at six a.m. and you're like, how dare this be possible? Oh yeah, well that that. That usually that usually only happens if I uh, haven't been able to go to sleep and I've just stayed yeah, awake yeah. the entire time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's even more offensive. Yes. And you have to decide whether you're going to make it through the day or you're just going to fuck your sleep cycle. I try and make it through the day. You fuck your sleep cycle. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, uh, you have you're still under 30 and have not realized that the damage you do to yourself can continues for the rest of your life <laughs> all these trams people going to work what is the work that they go to it's a lot of machines really uh, it's yeah. a bit modern times everyone is going to work in factories there's lots of great close-ups on like cogs and gears and pistons and we spend quite a lot of time in gorky square mm. um which or somewhere with a big sign that says Maxim Gorky. I think it's yeah. Gorky Square, uh, uh, which I think is in key. Anyway, uh, 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 I'm bad at geography. Um, but uh, And so we spend a lot of time there seeing people kind of hanging out. This mm. is where we get a lot of um, essentially shooting members of the public. And it is now, it is like people in the back of news shots mm. looking at the camera. But in this... It feels miraculous mm. because you're so used to everything in front of a silent movie camera being staged. Yes. And so seeing, you know, real realism, because even when the Darden brothers are at their most naturalistic, right? Or when who's another realist filmmaker? George Lucas. When George is at his most realist, um, he... Uh, 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 they are stylizing a bit. Uh, uh, Douglas Sirk. Yeah. So do you know you know what I'm saying? And so sure, the yeah. unvarnished reality is uh, it's bracing. I think we get a lot of that as well. Yeah. And like com- we spend a lot of time with commuters, people walking up and down streets. Yeah. And like in the sequence, especially, he is not just looking at the trains and the trams. He is often on them, and all the camera is mounted to them. Or uh, he is on a car, following them, yeah. or on a bike. Yeah. 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 And so there's there, so much motion in yeah, this film. Yeah. Just like in Battleship Potemkin, there is always a sense of movement. Yeah. And well, we even get a few bits later of seeing him on uh, a, a bike with the camera on the front winding it as he uh, uh, pushes the bike with one hand yeah as he d- drives the bike with one hand and that is oh i don't know it's pretty good it's pretty funny i think i am yeah. yeah so then we get to part three which opens with elizabeth svelova starting to cut the film yeah. we see her with, with glue and a pair of scissors she is making cuts she is mm. splicing and that is when it goes to the office where people are getting the marriage licenses or the divorce licenses yeah so it's, it's all about sort of the cutting and the splicing so they're bringing together the cutting apart marriage splicing cutting divorce but also the work day begins and showing that the making of a film is equally work yeah it's doing lots of stuff uh, it's doing two things <laughs> That's about as many things as Sonic 2 is doing. 
introducing tails and introducing knuckles. Yeah. So we see a couple happy to get together, happily getting married, sharing smiles, and then this just, like, this husband who looks just wretched, heartbroken, (laughs) while his wife looks on feeling less as they get divorced. (laughs) Yeah. And it is, like, almost the most narrative thing in the film, because you're like, no, no, I can tell tell who's in the wrong here, you know? I can tell why this divorce is happening. Uh, So then we go to part four, which focuses on other sorts of work it is much less interested in industrial work this time with people at a like hairdressing salon yeah with a woman getting her eyebrows done with like she, she, she's getting like gunk painted onto her eyebrows yeah and then it intercuts that with a poor woman fixing up her mud house by like throwing more mud onto the wall from the sequence that is counterpointing menial labor and people getting beauty treatments goes back to a factory where we see a woman who is folding cigarette packets uh, uh, so fast and we see her do probably like 20 of these yeah but it takes about 10 seconds yeah I'm very surprised that this hasn't ended up on R slash uh, uh, oddly satisfying. Mm. Um, and then we kind of, we see the cigarettes being made. We yeah. see people packing the well, cigarettes. Uh, uh, oh, oh, okay. I just realized what this part is about, which is... It, How cool smoking is. Well, sure. It is about the work that like women do and about the work that women have like done to them. Yeah, it's into cutting the hair salon with women building the house, and then more hair cutting with, with, with like women washing clothes. Yeah, and then it goes to these other jobs that women are allowed to have, like working the cigarette factory, and it goes from the cigarette factory to a room of telephone operators. Yeah, uh, yes, yeah. So, so you uh, see women controlling the switchboard. Well, and and the room of telephone operators is interesting because out of all of those, uh, the the women because you're like you just stole this from John Wick. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that about most films. Like, earlier in this film, there was uh, someone on a horse, yeah. and I called up Lionsgate immediately. The uh, the interesting thing about that, uh, uh, about the phone operators, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that it focuses... Is that that all of those scenes are concerned in some way with the technology? And like the hairdresser's case, it's with the the balm, but uh, in other, uh, you know, the what you talked about, the mount that she folds mm. the cigarette packs on, and, and then the uh, the line connectors for you know the lines they mm. connect as telephone operators. But the thing that isn't there is that at the cigarette workers with the 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 people. On the street, the woman building her house is that we spend time with them as individuals. Possibly the individual beyond the cameraman we spend the most time with is this, like, 13-year-old girl who's packing cigarettes and laughing and looking at the camera. And and it is that this is the place where he wants to emphasize idealism. Like, as you say, this is a bit about the work that is done to women and by them that they are allowed to do. And that this is the point where he is choosing to stress individuality. Hmm. It is so many more people are alone. All the other times we see mechanized work, people are cogs in a machine, whereas these are people. I don't know. I just, I, yeah. I think that is good. And then part four ends with the coolest part of the movie, uh, where there is uh, this big fucking, like, waterfall. It so it, has it. Yeah. Like, all the, what Finn is about to describe is, A, as extreme as he's about to describe it. And the thing I want st- to 
character emphasizes that it is stressful. Yeah. It is and, stressful to what? And like it seems to be an industrially built waterfall. It's part of a dam, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so there's all this stuff of Ziga Vertov running around with his camera, right on the edge of his waterfall. You know what- that photo of the workmen having their lunch on the girder yes, above yeah. New York? It's the same feeling where you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And like where the water is falling down, it feels like there is a ramp under there. It, it's shaped like a half pipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like curves back up. Yeah. And... Yeah, it looks incredibly dangerous, and if you took one wrong step, he would be instantly fucking dead. Oh, that is... Is that maybe the turbine for Hydra? Anyway, um, he's so... Like, and the water is so turbulent, there's so much foam, it looks so good. And so after all of these shots on the lip of a waterfall, it then cuts to Ziga Vertov in a open-top cable car going between factories on either side of a waterfall. In, lo- lo- in Half-Life 2, it looks like the cable car that Father Grigori sends over to you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 in, oh, God. Uh, Ra- uh, Ravenholm. Yeah, Ravenholm. Yeah. If you haven't played Half-Life 2, check it out. It's a pretty good game. I feel like we're the first people to praise Half-Life 2 generational shift <laughs> in video games as it was. Yeah, so, part five, the end of a workday. There is a fantastic montage of all of the equipment and production lines uh, slowing down and stopping. Yeah. You, you see well, it happen with, like, a newspaper printing press. You see it happen with the with the cigarette production line. And this yeah. is where we get a lot of double exposed imagery. We yeah. see a lot of, you know, workers within the machines they make go. In a way, we're like, I wonder if this was commissioned by a Soviet government. Uh, uh, but it is... Oh, for its time. Like, even now. God, it looks so good. Yeah. You don't understand how good it looks. It's so good. Yeah, and this part really focuses on recreational activities. What people do with the day once work is done. Mm. That is where all the stuff at the bar happens. Yeah. Uh, there is a bunch of uh, fantastic slow motion footage of people doing athletics. Yeah. It is incredibly good shit. Yeah. And I mean, admittedly... I. <laughs> I said to you, just like, imagine how hard this guy's arm is going, the cameraman's arm is going to get this footage. But it is uh, incredibly good stuff. Uh, uh. There is a bit at a fairground where a woman is doing one of those, like, shooting gallery things. Yeah. And at a swastika. Yeah, she's shooting swastikas. And it starts to intercut that with... um, in the bit of a bar, there was like one of those crates of wine with a bunch of different bottles in it. Yeah. And it starts to indicate like her firing with the bottles of wine each being each being removed one by one from, from the from the crate. Well, yeah, first she's shooting the tops off them and then she's shooting them. Yeah. yeah. Which ties into I am not super familiar with like Soviet era temperance movements. <laughs> but but in the nineteen twenty Ziga Vertol film Kino Eye, which I which I watched last night, yeah. there is a big thing about the young pioneers feel like Soviet equivalent of the Boy Scouts, except like state funded, going around to bars and, and like and like handing out pamphlets telling all these old men not, not to drink or smoke anymore. Yeah. 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 Real buzz killers. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think there is some, like, broadly anti-intoxication stuff going on here, which uh, uh, I'm uh, in favour of. And I am not, but yeah. anyway, uh, Finn just has not yet relaxed in his life, and when no, he why, does why, everything... Why would, why, would I, why would I do that? Uh, sounds like a nightmare. That's like uh, someone who's never eaten food asking why people like cake, but anyway. Uh, um, there is... Uh, this is the beginning, really, of stop-motion animation in the film. We've had a few bits before, 
but it really starts to grow here. Yeah, there is a bit with like a pile of crayfish or like lobster. They're all dead on a plate. Remember, one of the very top comes to life and it, start, yeah. it starts like scurry around. Uh, that's good. Uh, then there is a scene I have uh, titled uh, Tits on the Beach, where we go to a beach and we see a woman uh, covering herself in mud. And we see, for a movie from the 1920s, a from a still extant non-censored movie yeah, from the a 20s you know? massive amount of topless women uh yeah it is it's not like sexualized or anything it's just like here's a bunch of people hanging out at the beach a common refrain across negative reviews uh, of this film which um i'll be discussing later inexplicably um is the really dismissive ones which uh, all of them tend to uh, either be staunchly anti-communist mm, yeah. or end with like but at least there's tits in it half a star for the tits and i you know the film is neither better nor worse because of its inclusion sure, yeah and it just it does feel um i want to say medical but like yeah like well because we deal with birth earlier yeah and that is very i mean it's hard to how do you make how would you make someone giving birth sexy? Uh, uh, if they were digging up a horse? <laughs> uh, you, uh, 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 you have them do it in a French maid's outfit? <laughs> uh, Rob Marshall directing someone giving birth. I want to see it. it would be so, the, how would the corset work? Um Oh, yeah, and, and then, and then and yeah, and then there is my favorite bit of split screen of a movie where there are two separate images of a man lifting weights, but they are placed at like just the right parts of the screen that like at, they're like as as both of these images start to lift the weights, it looks like this man is coming apart. I, it, I, it is, I think it's shooting into a mirror, but uh, oh, oh, it, oh yeah, it, either way, it looks great yeah it looks crazy and and like and horrifying and then part six opens with something which like feels uh, like a critique of the government or like at least a critique of how political leaders are like seen mm. in the soviet union which is they show the facade of a store that sells icons and candles yeah russian orthodox shit i mean it cuts from that to a building that's called vladimir lenin club and it's got a big picture yeah. of lenin over the top of it i mean it cuts from that to a russian orthodox church yeah but i like yes and the openness of this film allows that interpretation i kind of my reading was that these things are equal in a positive way rather than a negative way but we are who knows who's right Hmm. do you know what i mean And, and and just because state control over these things was so tight sure in kino eye there is a bit where a bunch of people from a town are gathered around in a circle they're like talking about how their lives have changed since the new government came in and the person who gets the most screen time there is a woman who's talking about like how great it is that she doesn't have to send her kids to church anymore possibly seeing that bit last night primed me to, to, to like view that in a more negative light oh and uh, this film, part of what makes me forgive this film's naked nature's propaganda more, and again, like propaganda for a murderous regime, is propaganda is not inherently bad. If it was inherently bad, it'd be anti-ganda. The reason it it feels more tempered to me uh, is that it, there is, a, by the amount of juxtaposition it does, it allows. Um, ambiguity Mm. in and it yeah the very fact that you could read it 
as yeah. criticizing something, which is simply not possible with Battleship Potemkin, mm-hmm. unless you're like, no, the whole thing is in fact just really sarcastic. Well, yeah, and, and like one of the big differences between Man of the Movie Camera and The Wind from the East is is that one of these films is incredibly open, and one of them is incredibly Boring closed, shit, undiscussable, and soon we'll describe it from our brains. And we also get towards the end uh, uh, repeats of images of the camera on top of the giant camera and yeah. then a giant, him with the camera giant on top of the city. Yeah, and a great bit of stop motion where the tripod itself comes to life and like walks over to the camera case and like mounts the camera on it itself and then like looks directly at you. And it, it has like a personality. Yeah. I don't want to see his adventures. There, really. there, this. This camera on a tripod has more personality than literally any character in in Wind from the East. Yeah, the problem is, uh, I yeah, like arguing there is no character in Wind from the East is like yeah, because the Earth has more air than space. You know, it is just it was never going to be there. So you, obviously, you're more au fait with, with this director and his work. I mean, I... I, I more wa- than I am. Yeah, I watched one of his other movies last night, so but, yes. So where... And you said that was more straight a newsreel, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which is what it, which is like what he'd been doing up until this, basically. Well, and he, this he, is still announced as being uh, something, something, something on three reels. Like, hmm. it is... It seems designed to be uh, a part of a program, even though he did tour it. Yeah. He had a long-running series of newsreels called Kino Pravda, which I think are the like, most straightforward things he did. And then building off of that, he, he makes Kino Eye, which is a newsreel, but you can feel him in it. It has a more avant-garde feel, yeah. and it is more personal and more experimental. And then, off of the success of Kino Eye, him and his wife build towards this, which it, which is the like, thing that he's best known for. Uh, he did continue to make work for quite a while, yeah. though. All of it a bit like this adjacent, you yeah. know? I'm sure I'll see that stuff someday. I bought from Eureka Video Man with a Movie Camera and other works by Ziga Vertov, which which is a uh, very reasonably priced little set. <laughs> it includes Man for Movie Camera, Kino Eye, Kino Crafter Number Twenty One, uh, something called Enthusiasm, Symphony of the Donbass, and Three Songs About Lenin, which is most of his like major works. And from what I've heard, by the time he gets to Three Songs About Lenin, it is just which, which is 1934, it is, like, pretty much, like, straight-ahead propaganda at that point. Yeah. Well, you can only, under that regime, it was hard yes, to yeah. not do that. And, like, Tarkovsky's strength was being so crazy that people couldn't, he just wouldn't, people couldn't say no to him. Mm. It was just going to happen anyway. That in great critical respect. Um, so acro- where does this sit for you across his two films? Because I can tell you where it sits for me across the one of his films I've seen, and it's pretty high. I'd put it at number one. Yeah, this is also number one for me. There is a bunch of really interesting stuff in Kino Eye. There are two great bits which focus on food production, mm-hmm. where in the first one he follows... Uh, some like beef at a market back through yeah. time till like, I get to the cow at the farm and he like tells you the kino eye can reverse time or like the kino eye can give the cow its skin back and, and he like show you a cow being like 
disemboweled, but in reverse. So you see its organs go back into it and stuff, and like it comes back to life. Really cool stuff. But, like yeah, the like nineteen twenty four is like asking real questions about like how we like how we engage with food production. And he does that with beef, and he does that with bread. Like going back mm. all, all the way to the wheat field. Yeah, it, it, it fucking rocks. But Man for Movie Camera is. Like, leagues above it. Yeah. It, it is. There can be only one. Yeah. I've said this about a few films recently. This might be my favorite silent film. This is, we've watched a lot of great silent films recently. Yeah. This, Belgian Potemkin, Her Passion of Joan of Arc, Sunrise, are all such, are all such incredible films which do, like, such different things with silent film and. Modern Times. Mm, Modern Times is also very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's lots of good, there's lots of good silent <laughs> films. Sherlock Jr. Yeah, true. But I mean, yeah, it, it, there it, are one or two good silent films. Doctor Mabuza the Gambler. <laughs> one day you're going to watch all fucking four I'm, hours plus of that. It's yeah. incredible. For when we do, oh, okay. We are of course saving Doctor Mabuza the Gambler for when we do our series. Don't leave me laying on the telephone. Yeah, uh, just I was like on the frets. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> it was. I could have. Could have, you know, you're uh, fine, fine. It's fine. I'm fine. Um, but yeah, this movie is like so exciting and finds such incredible images to to like to like juxtapose against each other, and it has so many parts where we're like just on the strength of the images and the like incredible power of Elizabeth Fillover's editing, like and you, the camera work, and I'm sure optical effect yeah. for someone else, but it's all. Sure, but yeah, Bonk. yeah, you, you, you just like you, you cannot help but be, but just be like fully entranced by it. It, it is, it is, it is so incredible. Uh, for me, the greatest juxtaposition between this and Wind from the East is the fact that this is a film about uh, uh, being made by people who are both creating and falling in love with the magic tricks that we can do in cinema because mm. like we're still very early in the art form yes. but then it was like it was so fucking early and so it was like they're really luxuriating in what you can do when you overcrank the camera and get slow-mo when you juxtapose images when you when you cut so much when you don't cut when people will do anything but look in the camera and all of these ways that feel like games between you, like points of connection between you and the film. And like, I'm not saying they invented all of them. Like this film is so tangibly uh, uh, an extension of Eisensteinian thinking. Yes. Um, even though it is better than it, I think. I just, you know, we that episode was like, Two weeks ago. Go back and listen to it. Um, uh, uh, it. It is. And when From the East is being made by a theatre company, it's co-directed by Jean-Luc Godard. It's it's in 1970. So it, it's it's before he's entirely given up on narrative. Sure, yeah. There, there are things in his future, but it is clearly made by a group of people who are tired of tricks, hmm. who are tired of, like, so much of it is about dissembling the illusion, right? Yeah. See, and so much of it is people having their makeup put on or clapper plates. And I do understand that w- what they are trying to do is present an alternative to it. But it does also mainly feel like people just saying thing bad in yeah. terms of cinema tricks. 
there's falling in love and then there's falling out of love and we both and we are kind of seeing both angles and especially because like Goddard's more narrative films after 1970 are blunter do you know what I mean Are, are less interested in the mystique when like and we talked about it with Breathless like so much of that film is someone knowing the old tricks but doing them in a right way mm. it's not you know knowing how to use the camera from the old ways but who do you point it at and how how do you cut it and, and like th- maybe that underlines the juxtaposition of how one is so enthralling that's man with a movie camera and the other is deadly yeah uh heart freezingly bad um but before we get to it finn yes man with a movie camera is it shy or sound uh it is very very sound yeah euphonious yes it is good fucking work finn yes if there's one thing i know about us it's that we keep rolling lists of all the films we have watched for this podcast, Finn. Yes. Man with a movie camera, where does it rank out of everything we have witnessed? Uh, I have uh, Man uh, I have uh, man with a movie camera at number 17, uh, which is above Mulholland Drive and below Twin Peaks Firewalk with me. Yeah. That's a good spot to be. Um, you're a maniac for having those two Lynch films in that order, but that's sure. fine. I have Man with a Movie Camera at number 23. I have it above Apocalypse Now and beneath Rashomon. It is, a, yeah, once again, if you have not seen this film, see this film. It is out of copyright. I am sure it is all over YouTube. The Masters of Cinema. Uh, 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 Eureka restoration is genuinely a step up and I not like and I'm saying this because I know film shittery is so full of people being like oh yeah but the this new restoration really brings out the grain like Nolan doing that original print of 2001 mm. shit and, and you look at it and you're like no no okay but no this is like the the criterion uh, 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 under the waterfront uh, a framing thing like this is a legit v- massive improvement it's genuinely worth seeking out and there's other films on there yeah it is it's just great and i was heartbroken recently to discover that there are in fact negative reviews of it yeah. and a lot of them are incredibly low effort which like seems to happen on letterboxd the, the further up the list we get right? well yeah and yeah and also be like older filmers the less effort people will put into like in, into criticizing it to elide your standard i saw this film in my film class and all the dude bros there liked it so i hate them and like this is boring uh it wasn't cool uh it's yeah no i had to watch it at two times speed blah 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 imagine how fast some of that stuff would be at two times speed (laughs) i mean how can we even know what the correct speed is for (laughs) a hand crank film uh, a, a, a lot of people just having a default negative reaction to non-narrative cinema. So I uh, went with a one-star review that I think at least kind of thoughtfully engages with it a little. This is by Aaron. One star. Uh, they're doing it off the 1001 films list. 
So it says Thousand One Films. This was definitely not a film for me. It felt very pretentious and nothing entertaining happened at all. It's just an hour and 20 minutes of random shots. I can see why people like the concept, but it's definitely a bit meh. And like, I can understand that if you don't, uh, uh, this is a film that would be very easy to gloss over, right? Sure. And, and you do, and obviously we should be paying every film 100% attention. That is simply not true and has uh, never been true. Food was sold inside cinemas, yeah. you know? Um, and, oh, yeah, no, just the the revelatory thing is the acknowledgement of something simply not being for them, you know? Would you like to guess Aaron's top four absolutely i cannot see much rhyme or reason to this except there are two that are very like uh film guy poster wall you know in the dorm things um one of which we have done quite a few times uh, 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 on lists here it feels inevitable that we'll get to cover part of it it's part of a franchise kinda this first film uh, this is one of the two like film bro poster on the wall films Okay, it's part of a series one of our most common films to turn up on these lists I think uh, it is oh uh Oh, I don't know. It's just good fun. And unfortunately, part of making it was a crime. And uh, the producer is a criminal as well. Uh, the Godfather? No, but you're thinking kind of right scale of um, franchise. It's a little later. Was OJ a producer on the Naked Gun films or was he just in them? Uh, no. Okay. And OJ killed someone. The The producer of this film just... Uh, sexually assaulted them and plants. Oh right, yeah. Um, is, is, is it a, is it a Tarantino? Yeah. It's part of a series. Yeah. What Tarantino film is yeah. part of a franchise? Kill Bill. Which Kill Bill though? Volume one. Yeah. No. Who would prefer to? Maniacs. The next is I would say almost like of film bros, film bro wall posters. I feel like this is one of the most iconic. It's a very famous poster. It's definitely its director's worst film. No, 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 no. The director also directed a horrifically transphobic film, so second worst film. Oh, God. Um, uh, is, 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 is it a... Huh. Is, it a is it a film by Tom Hooper? No. <laughs> Better than Tom Hooper. You like this director. I like this director. A lot. Keep him in your pocket. Is your wee mate. Your little friend. Oh, oh right, okay, right. It's, 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 it's a Brian De Palma film. Yeah. Uh, and did, 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 so you got him in your pocket. Yeah. This little guy. Sometimes. You greet him. You say, Hello. Yeah, I say hello to my little friend Yeah, in the film Scarface. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. Now, the next to one is a oh, proper old-style Western. I don't need to tell you that it's Ford. I don't need to tell you that it's John Wayne. 
Uh, the Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. That's right. Yeah. There are many other options yes, that are. contain that, though, including the searches, which... We'll get to soon. Anyway, should we consider the artists when they suck as much as John Ford in? Anyway. <clears throat> and the last one is uh, good, but always much less queer than you remember. It's British. Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. No, nah, it's 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 British. It's very queer coded. Billy Elliot. N- no, there's. I mean, uh, uh, this. It was a breakout film for one of Billy the Elliot. leads. It is. It is not Billy Elliot. <laughs> okay, but, okay. But what if I say it, it again? It has a Billy Elliot plot. It has the Billy Elliot plot. Right. Which is family doesn't like person do thing. Yeah. Finn's shutting his eyes. He's squeezing them tight, pressing his fingers to the f- to his forehead like he's Patrick Stewart being CGI'd into a uh, scene uh, with Rachel McAdams. So okay, so they're in London, right? Not Sheffield. It's not a white family. It's a South Asian family. Oh, and in, ben, 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 Bender like Beckham? It is Bender yeah, like yeah. Beckham, yep. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> good work, Gurinder Chad, Chadha. I love most of your autobiographical work, except when it's about your boring Bruce Springsteen-loving brother, but anyway. Oh, is that the same director? Yeah. Ah. You like that film, though? No, I've... I, I've you loved it. I I, I I liked that film more than yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't like yesterday. Here's the thing with yesterday. It seems so far away. Yeah, yeah. all my troubles. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I believe in yesterday. Fuck. Wait, you say you believe in yesterday? A film so Fuck good off. they cut Anna Diamas <laughs> out of it. Once again, I have to stress that's how good it is. <laughs> they, they're like, this is too good. Okay, the wind from the east. What is it? So, this is a project by the Ziga Vertov Group. Yeah, which is a uh, collection of maniacs. Yes, yeah. It, no, that's Carlton. Well, yeah, people it, it, with mania. It was a short-lived filmmaking collective. Wait, I thought they were a theatre collective. N- no. Wait, so they. F- they formed together to make films. Yeah. With the, and they made this. Yeah. I thought this was like a begotten, you know, situation where it was like a theatre group being like, oh, let's fuck around with a camera. No, no, they, they, they are, they are, they are, they are the Ziga Vertov group. They, they, they are, they are all about, they're all about cinema. And so like, so like. They, what the f- Yeah. I just didn't put that together. What, what are they? And they made this. They, they made this, yeah. Do they. Is this like, you know, when you're a child and you love a toy so much you kind of want to destroy it? <laughs> is that what they're doing to cinema? I mean, like, sort I mean, of. that is how Goddard feels about film, right? Yeah. Anyway. Well, yeah. By the end of the 60s, Goddard is feeling, what's the fucking point of this? The May 68 riots didn't, didn't do anything. It seems like leftist movements are, are collapsing all over the world. Change no longer seems as inevitable as it once did. Well, and... and uh, uh, th- it is the energy that drives his films up into the failure of those riots mm. uh, because of the state using the police and army to, to crush people because yeah. uh, uh, mm, the state is bad uh, and we shouldn't. Anyway, um, it, it, it was powered by the sense of p- 
perpetual change and energy. Mm. Yeah. Something is going to happen. Now is an exciting time to document and be alive during because something's going to happen. And then that was uh, torn out from under them. And so, yeah, you can see him almost immediately become, oh, not like disaffected, Mm. right? Yeah. Like after leading into 2018, we have things like uh, Pierre Lefeu, Pierre Lefeu, masculine, feminine, two or three things Uh, I know about. uh, 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 68. You, you, You said 2018. Oh shit! Yeah, sorry, I'm losing my mind. Uh, 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 to uh, a weekend and like one plus one, mm. and then he is immediately into like this and uh, uh, Vladimir and Rosa and number two and uh, struggle in Italy, which I haven't seen. Yeah. Well, yes, yes. Like, so yes, like most of that stuff is, is, is like Ziga Vertov group stuff. Yeah, yeah. Also, I have seen Ziga Vertov stuff because I have seen vladimir and rosa and number two okay yeah uh, um yeah and, and so, every yeah. man for himself which admittedly is 80 but like you can see him almost immediately go sour yeah. and distant like like this didn't i tried to change the world through film and the world kicked me in the face so fuck it yeah and like that like that is a key sense throughout wind from the east is just saying yeah fuck it yeah so this was their fourth film i just again no, I no cannot, exactly yeah the, I, I i to lay the ground of all my exclamations i found this film uh 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 uh, uh Boring, like dull, uh, 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 fridge buzz, dull headache. Boring. Yeah. Um. I like like followable. I got its politics. I got what most scenes were about or doing, and I agree with them. But it was doing them in such a dickish way. But my main thing is that the whole thing to me felt uh, just aggressively and violently lazy yes it feels very close to but distinct from like in 48 hours film festival if you ever go to a screening there's one or two films or a bunch of stone students who are normally my people but just not at this time uh, um making a film where they point the camera they do the three common ailments and then they just sing like a pussy now let's have footage of my dog oh it's doing a shit and just like random shit it together the kind of thing you could accuse man with a movie camera of being but in this it just feels uh unfinished it feels lazy it feels deliberately irritating and it absolutely feels like a film not made i was just so sure they were a theater or acting group I can't see how people that I just want to give that as my context. Uh, Finn introduced it as uh, Goddard's most boring film, <laughs> and he's right. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, and like this movie is sort of defined by laziness. The original conception for this film was that it would be a Marxist spaghetti western, which you can still, if you squint, yeah, the, the iconography of that is 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 throughout. It's just yeah the top build person in the cast is Jean Maria Volante who was the bad guy in a festival of dollars and for a few dollars more yeah. he was like very clearly brought into to to like give it some spaghetti western credentials well i just the idea that someone was brought into this film and it wasn't just a group of people on a commune pointing a camera at each other which to be clear could result in some really good films sure um but 
Oh. Yeah, so the Ziegervertov group made nine films between 1968 and 1972. I remember Vladimir and Rosa in number two being more coherent than yeah. this. Okay, yeah. so this is like the wild... Okay. Of the three of them that I've seen, this is by far the worst. Oh, yeah, like the other ones felt like films, not mm. offcuts. Yeah. In 1968, we've got a film like The Others, or a film like any other. Mm. In 1969, we've got a film called British Sounds, which is also called See You at Mao. And then that same year, they make a film called Pravda. In 1970, there is this, and a film called Until Victory, which is also known as Palestine Will Win. Uh, In 1971, they make Struggles in Italy and Vladimir and Rosa. Mm. And then in 1972, they make a film called To the Bien, which means Everything is Fine, and a movie called Letter to Jane, which is their last one. And I believe Letter to Jane is a polemic movie directed at Jane Fonda, who had been the star of Everything's Fine earlier in the year. Yeah. uh, What were they saying? I've not seen Letters to Jane. but um, What issue would they have with... Uh, so apparently the film serves as a 52-minute cinematic essay that deconstructs a single news photograph of Jane Fonda in Vietnam. So, yeah, that it, could... it's, it's like the, the like famous photo of Jane Fonda in Vietnam, I believe. And it's them talking about what that photo means in, 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 in the like, context of the Vietnam War and global struggle or something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah okay. That doesn't sound as bad as I thought. Yeah. Yeah, so I've seen Wind from the East, Vladimir and Rosa, and Toot the Bien. And I think that last one is really good. And, and like, there, there, is, there is super interesting stuff in there. There is, like, really interesting set design. And it is a movie that is, like, set during, it is set during a strike at, 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 a, at, like, a meat processing plant. Mm. And the, like, set that they, that they have built is this, like, giant cross-section of, of, of a meatpacking plant. And, and, and oh, like you've cut right through yeah, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, and so the camera can like move up and around levels and like mm. show and like show you how different things connect and stuff. Oh, and done. yeah, it has the same politics as this, but like they are, but like they are explaining things visually and cinematically, and not just having like uh, uh, a badly recorded audio conversations mm. over footage of people not moving. Yeah, uh, uh, or or just having their faces painted or the camera. What like I'm so you just heard me talk about how much I praised you just heard me praise a man with a movie camera so much. I'm really trying not to sound like a Philistine. But like sure, yeah. Well what? Okay, so the 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 like reason they call themselves the Ziga Vertov group and, and the like yeah. thing they're trying to do is is like as we said because Ma- it sounds like a theater company it's to trick me specifically well well like as we said man with a movie camera opens with that title saying this is an attempt to create a new universal cinematic language yeah and like what the ziga virtov group is trying to do is like they wrote a manifesto which i might have read part of at some point but like the whole point of it was to create a new film grammar that like defied restrictions of what they saw as the dominant bourgeois film grammar and like you you didn't need to tell me that because the second half of this film is an extended this is where we get most of the western stuff that's what this is where we get like a shootout um uh, 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 in the river you know mm. with the camera going all over the place but over the top is this long long monologue that is about directly equating countries in their movie uh, uh, industries, mm. which is like Nixon, Paramount, and uh, Gorbachev. Oh, uh, uh, no, it's the uh, B one. Brezhnev. Yeah. Brezhnev. Mosfilm. Yeah, Brezhnev, Mosfilm, and, and Nixon, Paramount, and and it is just, it, it, it is 
incredibly didactic and I think if I had read it I would really fucking dig it sure yeah but watching it just feels so hard like making me eat my greens with something I already agree with but is also presenting it in such a like fuck you way that if I didn't agree with it I would be like how fun don't fucking talk to me like that yeah don't you don't get to just like shove me around making a film that seems visibly lazy and like uh, 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 just make your film not look lazy yeah and there are ways of making films that are slow comp- com- contemplative and meta uh, just wait for a season an aperture pong whereas they're cool in London um Oh, Paris. I can't remember. Where is the American werewolf? In London. Oh, yeah. And Uppy Pong, where is the cool in London? It's good. Anyway, but it just is so... And so it ends up feeling... Well, like, I, and a lot of the film is ugly. There is very rarely, like, any, like, interesting framing of the shots. It is just people, like, milling about in the middle distance in mm-hmm. a field. Like, seeing where someone's face is entirely obscured by branches, but, like, not in a way that's interesting. It, feel, it feels yeah. like ends. It feels like yeah. cut, it feels like cut footage. It feels... It, it is... And what it all ends up to... Here, here is my big political reading of it, of course, which is like it feels condescending. Yeah, which is like the core curse everyone faces on the left is like how do we engage with and discuss, you know, uh, how we desperately need to unionize and hold a general strike until uh, Elon Musk promises to commit seppuku. Without being like, without being condescending, which Vizega Vertov group manages to do much better oh, in, in in like Vladimir and Rosa, Man with a Movie Camera, even mm, yeah. Uh, uh, there, there are so many shows that do it well, yeah, and films that do it well. There's so much work, you know, and it is, uh, it's. I don't know. I just thought, because even Histories de Cinema, Interminable as it was, uh, uh, is is making points. Yeah, like, that is much more like a Ziga Vertov film than this is. That is the, like, Ziga Vertov approach to, like, making a documentary about the history of cinema. This is one of those films. It's not as bad as the other films I've said this about, but it genuinely feels like the public shouldn't, like... This feels like a failed project that it is a waste of anyone's time to see. Yeah. 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 Like I, I am, I am, I am sort of glad that it was made because we're like, where, where these people went out, this is genuinely interesting. Oh yeah. But and it should be the they, second disc in a criterion no, no, exactly. collection. Yeah. 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 It is. Uh. Yeah. So uh, what? Last week, there was a movie, Leaving Movie, which was the mid-80s Godard film, The Rise and Fall of a Small Film Production Company. Oh, yeah. Starring, yeah. starring Jean-Pierre Lourdes. And, uh, uh, that doesn't sound like him. Anyway. And there is a bit in that movie, which is, I think, the most Godard thing I've ever seen in one of his fucking movies. Two people are sitting in a bar having a conversation, right? As they do. Pretty Godard so mm-hmm. far. Are they wearing suits or, like, current fashion? Is it in black and white? In the middle of a conversation, 
he just cuts away from them to an ad, like a poster for a product called French Kiss. <laughs> then he zooms in on the SS and Kiss, superimposes a larger SS over top of it, and then cuts back to the conversation, and they're now talking about the Holocaust. I, yeah. And, and like, that's like very funny that he does that and i'm not entirely sure he totally gets his like whatever point like yeah. that he's making across but like I, I, but like i wish he was some of that energy and in, in, in win from the east there are like a couple of moments where it feels like people are having fun with, yeah. with the nonsense they're doing but 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 like it but yeah it, it doesn't it doesn't have his fucking energy which 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 like even even his like bad films have well and like the ex there's an extended sequence in the middle that's clearly just shot at a production meeting yeah. where, you know, anyone can control the camera. And so it is in the camera is on a tripod in the center uh, uh, of the room uh, uh, no, of the like little like like uh, 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 in the middle of a clearing in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 and that people can just spin it around and it is just loose home movie footage yeah but the point is anyone can control the camera and you're like yeah but if you're showing it to other people you know like it is and and like i am happy that they made this for themselves Mm. i'm unhappy it was ever sold you know like it, it is i don't like it no. What is you like? How is it for you? The last time I saw this, which was middle of twenty twenty, yeah, I didn't like it particularly. But I gave it like three stars. I was like, yeah, this is this is fine. Mm. But but like this time, yeah, I, I was just I was so unbelievably bored by it. And, and and like part of it is probably having this on right after Man with a Movie Camera, yeah, which, which does so many of the same things, but good, yeah, right? and, and, yeah. and also yeah ha- has like has like such an intense energy to it. And I mean, like this opens with with, with a like four minute long shot of 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 like Anne Wiesemski and some guy lying face down in the mud with some boring voiceover. Uh, it, that's the conversation. Uh, uh, that is my favorite bit of voiceover, which is a woman talking about an interaction with her dad. And where the dad is, has been turned by propaganda into a staunch anti-unionist and being like, the problem is, is, you know, it's, it's more unfair that way. And like that by even presenting another view on the situation a little is interesting, you know? Yeah. Uh, 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 But yeah, the fact that we're just looking at them in a kind of blankly pointed shot right at them. And it's nothing, you know, it's like, it just is, it's nothing. Yeah. The one part of this movie, which I like, actually, I think like genuinely enjoy is there is a bit where a guy uh, plays the recorder really shitly and and it's it's just like, okay, the most mysterious part of this entire film was you at the beginning being like, there's a guy with a guy playing a flute really badly. You, I really like it. And then you'd be like, this is the bit, this is the bit. And it's just 30 seconds of a guy walking through frame playing a flute badly. And to me, and I, to be clear, I'm trying to set you up to explain why you like it, but just the same as everything else in this film to me, I am. Yeah, so 
this guy, one of the Ziga Virtov group, who knows his name, lost history. He he walks into the frame, pl- playing a recorder. It sounds terrible. Yeah. I mean, from off camera, you, you, you hear everyone else going, it sounds like shit. Stop yeah. doing it. And he's like, it's, it's my music. I learned how to play this. This is this great. And everyone's like, no, you stink. <laughs> and, and he's like, what can I do to get better? And they're like, study marks. <laughs> and, and there is so much. Every problem this film raises is answered with study marks there are extensive multiple shots of people just reading capital yeah sometimes aloud sometimes it's in the voiceover sometimes they are having a sickle put around their neck and then a hammer knocked on their head well, yeah well it's because she's reading a bourgeois novel oh that's right yeah. she's not because she's not oh ugh. the uh, <sighs> Yeah, so they're like, read Mark. Uh, so he goes and picks up a gun, walks off screen right, a few seconds later walks back on screen left, and, and he plays the recorder, and it's, a little, and it's a little bit better now. It's this like weird little visual gag that like, makes an analogy between learning to play an instrument and participating in, in like ongoing class struggle. It's the, it's the one bit of the movie, basically, where, where they're like, here is a visual idea for how to express it. Like, mm, yeah, mm. Here is how we're going to express an idea visually. And... Okay, yeah, uh, like I kind of, and also I think it's just funny to hear someone yeah. playing in like playing the recorder really badly. Uh, yeah, no, I just find that I just find that uh, and so, uh, yeah, irritating. It, well, sure, well, yeah, that's part of why I like it. And yeah, it, it, it's just <laughs> it's this guy, it's this guy learning. Like I can't just be good at this thing the first time I try it. I have to put work into it and like take it seriously before I can do anything of value and before anyone wants to hear me do it, which is uh, advice that the Ziga Vertov group should have fucking taken. Oh, uh, great. So you are saying it is shite. Yeah. Yeah. I'm saying it is shite. Well, and, 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 and like other main thing is, is like other than Gian Maria Volante, the, the like star of this film is Anne Wierzymski, who yeah. was at the time married to Godard and who, listeners to this podcast will know from being the star of our Hazard Belfazar. Yeah. And well, co-star, we're not calling her a donkey. Sure. Check uh, out that episode, good episode about good film. Yeah. And, Two and, good films. And and in that movie, she has incredible presence. She is doing very little in it. And incre- an incredible sense. Uh, well, the one I always, the one I think of when I look back on that film is the sense of internal life. Mm. You know, like there is a a real interiority yeah. to her. Yeah, yeah, which is something that Robert Brisson is incredible at doing. And in this movie, none of the characters exist as anything more than the like broadest possible like cliches and cartoons. Yeah, and. Yeah, and, and th- yeah, and this movie fucking makes Anwar Zemski boring and uncinematic. It, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it, it, just it, it fucking is, limp. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. It is shite. It is a massive failure. No, it, 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 it is. It is my least favorite Godard film I've seen. Yeah, absolutely the same. It's it's dead. Yeah, it it is deadly cinema, like Peter Brook proposes a deadly theater, um, and. I just, why? Yeah. Anyway, um, and so that begs the question, Finn. Yeah. Where did you rank it? Uh, I have the wind from the east at number one hundred and forty-two, which is above Eurotrip and below Exorcist to the Heretic. I have it at one hundred and twenty-three. 
beneath Kit Kitteridge, an American girl, and above June 1984, the three-hour-long Alan Smithy TV cut. It, um, I, the difficult thing, the thing I really struggle with, yeah, it is the fact that like obviously no one likes it. And that's a little heartbreaking. It, it, it's sad for me that there is, because Goddard, he, he may not have made a film I like, but he he would make work that at least someone would appreciate. And we don't see that with this. I don't know. I don't think you could find a positive review of this film. Euphor? I, I, found, I found, a, found a positive review of this film. Oh, yeah. Th- two stars, three stars? Five stars. Five stars. That... Uh, I think this is a prank. Is this, is this written by, like, Din... Nin Fickilis? Uh, Fickilis, no. that's good. You should... Fuck, it's a fuck, good... Fuck, 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 it's fuck, a good Twitter fuck. handle. Uh, and yeah, it's a movie that ends up being like, now, you are prepared to go out and make revolutionary art, but, like, it makes, it makes you so unenthused about making revolutionary art. Yeah, I'm happy to wait sleep through that revolution you know yeah so this is a five-star review by letterbox user jacob max kelly annoyed actually because i've read a whole lot about this film and you all and you already generally what it was getting at i would have loved to have seen this first and actually experienced what people were writing about in their essays on the film it is one thing reading about it but the way goddard illustrates his points throughout the film is definitely a game changer there are two parts to the film. The first is a more general study which comments on revolutionaries like Lenin and Stalin. Quite unusual, as often Goddard's favourite to talk about is Mao. It is so interesting to see his interpretations of what the others have said. Subtly, during this, you get the sense that Goddard is almost creating another cinematic language in the way he presents his information. He goes back to the likes of Eisenstein, Griffiths and Riefenstahl to discuss image manipulation and sound. He takes those original ideas and finds new ways to allow the image to reinforce what we hear from a voiceover. I need to watch this again, because I was busy taking in a lot of the theory and sound, but there's so many cool and clever little additions visually, plenty of motifs and metaphors that will reveal themselves on future watches. I don't believe that. No, I, I don't either. Outside of the Western thing. Yeah. The second half is then him explaining a lot of the subtle bits of the first half. <laughs> yeah. All the best things require the second half to be an explanation of the first half. Like Hot Fuzz. I, uh... He mentions all his little tricks. A few things stuck in my mind. He addresses how Hollywood cinema has kind of stolen certain images to demonstrate their ideals. In a sense, we have to take these back or come up with new ones to get outside of the system. Every image represents something, and they are using specific ones to enforce a collective thought. There is a cheesy but very effective part where he talks about revolutionary cinema being at a crossroads and third-world cinema having multiple paths to take. Do they listen, do they listen to Hollywood? Do they reject it entirely? Uh, but, uh, not too much has changed when it comes to the state of revolutionary cinema since this film, making it an essential viewing. If you want to learn about the relationship between sound and image, how to reach for masses, Lessons in the history of revolutionary cinema and teachings for going forward. I can't think of many better films than this. Absolutely bloody vital viewing, and you also get to enjoy a fun little western being filmed too. 
If there is one criticism I do have when it comes to Godard, it is that he conquered filmmaking and then did start using it in extremely clever ways to present a different kind of cinema with a strong left-leaning. But was it really a good way of reaching the masses? Is there potentially an accessible arty side putting people off? Do we need to imitate more of Hollywood cinema and play their game to reach the masses? The more I've thought about it, you shouldn't always have to dumb down. This whole, you shouldn't be intellectual because it puts up a wall thing, is mostly nonsense. I think it's best to combine the serious and non-serious a little. However, we shouldn't rule out what could be considered overly intellectual or putting up a wall. That's almost offensive in a way, and has a lack of respect. That brings me to the point that Godard is funnier than I give him credit for anyway. There's a slight wink in a lot of things that he does that I always forget about. Five stars. You know how I... This, this, is, uh, this is Godard's least funny film. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it did feel like a lot of that was attempting to directly rebut this, to rebut, rebut the conversation we just had, mm. to which I say no. We are incredibly pretentious people. Um, but you know how we talk about how deep we are in the film shit, and that meaning that we are kind of poisoned and numb Mm. right like a large part of being like triple r over everything everywhere all at once is being like we know all the references everything everywhere because we're so deep in it and triple r is a new set of references i think we have found someone who is like obviously there are many people deeper in the film shit than us i think that person is like in the molten core earth of uh, film shit, yeah. right? Like, and we may all end up there. And would that be inherently bad? Yes. So, uh, 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 would you like to guess the top four of this molten core of earth film shit? Is one of them the wind from the east? No. Oh, the, wow. The, the, these are all, I would say, uh, uh, fairly accessible and uh, not uh, uh, not uh, not crazy picks at all. Uh, uh, all of them in the English language. One of them has a fair amount of Italian, and one of them is is entirely in Japanese. Uh, so the Godfather Part Two. Yes. Okay. And is the other one a Kurosawa? Nope. Is it a Miyazaki? No. Okay. Is it a Nozu? Nope. Oh, there are no other. Is it Hamaguchi? No. Okay. This Japanese film, is it live action or animated? It is live action. Oh. Is it fantastical? Uh, I do not believe so. Okay. This film is by, like, the most famous live action non Kurosawa Japanese director. I said Ozu. No. I would say this guy is more well known than Ozu internationally known yeah his films are certainly i think like more like more like more widely watched for those films yeah or, and or, i've or, seen or, these films uh takashi miike this is the same sort of era as kurosawa i would guess you haven't seen any of his films I, i've i've only seen one of them but but I, i've been i've been meaning to watch the rest of them because because the one that i did watch is incredible what who is it uh the director is masaki kobayashi Who's the director of Quaidon? I would not. I would absolutely say Ozu is above that, and it's Quaidon. No, uh, I, it, 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 is, it is. It is the most well known of of Kobayashi's films. It is number three on the Letterbox Top Two Fifty. Harakiri. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I yeah no. I, anyway, I look forward to watching that when we do Shite and Sound versus Libertoxed. The second film features, I believe, a one-scene performance, or at least a, a, a like very brief performance by someone who died today. 
Okay. Um, oh, Philip. Yeah. Rip. We are recording this on the day that Philip Baker Hall tragically died. Mm. Is it a P.T. Anderson? It is. Oh, all right. Boogie Nights? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, it, yeah. is, is, it, is that just one scene in Boogie Nights? No, I think it's a little more than that. Okay. Because he's the money guy, right? Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's in it. He's in it more than that. Oh, the major, the guy who's the big money guy, that's not him. The guy who ends up in prison? It, do- yeah. it doesn't matter. What uh, a film. The last film on the list. It's on so many top fours. Um, oh, I mean, Star Wars New Hope. The star of this film also uh, died recently, very sadly. Is it? Live action. It yeah. is. This is a film that is famous for its editing, and it is in the same genre as one of the other three films on 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 this versus top four. Okay. And the other genres were like samurai film, mm. uh, <laughs> uh, like porn drama. Yeah. And is porn drama that? No. no, you got one more. And oh. I can't even remember what... It's got a lot of Italian in it. Oh, Godfather Part 2. So, yeah. uh... Oh. Goddy. Ray. Yeah. Z- Goodfellas. Yeah, Ray. Ray the Oh, I'd forgotten. Hmm. He's so good. He, he is so and good. And especially in that film. But having Godfather and Goodfellas is, you know, <laughs> taking up a pick, spot. To- pick one. Yeah, and shove a Ghibli film in there. You can't go wrong with that. Unless it's fucking Pom Poco. Come at me, Poco oh, heads. Is that, is, that, is that one you don't like? I think it's nuts. Because mm. they bounce around on swollen testicles. Mm. I think it's nuts. Great, great. Why am I doing so much good, good stuff? No, no. I've, it feels I've, like I've, I'm I've accidentally... Keep it up. I feel like I'm accidentally... We're accidentally transitioning to ASMR. It's not next, and I mean, like more people would listen if we did. I think, I but I don't. We should do ASMR film reviews, but I don't want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to do any. I like. I want the people who do ASMR to do ASMR because yeah, yeah. they. I don't. I don't want to be cynically auto-sensory meridian responsing people. Finn. Yeah. Where can people find you online? Uh, they can't and they shouldn't. But you can find the show on Twitter at ShiteSoundPod or you can email us at ShiteSoundPod at gmail.com. Why not check out our website? It's at ShiteAndSound.com. If you like what I do, and I hope that you do, you can find me on the social internet as at YouthaLives, U-T-H-E-R-L-I-V-E-S, put bit.ly in front of that, and... Uh, you'll sign up for my newsletter. I have two other podcasts. One's an eerie audio anthology called The Witching Hours, and the other is called The Slow Path, where me and my partner, Briar, watch Doctor Who until we die. We're going to record an episode right after this. Excited? Hmm? You're going to stay and be our live audience, right? For our, like good in-jokes, like when we call each other citizen. You love that one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> citizen. Oh, no. It's a callback to... A, to an episode. Citizen. <laughs> oh, I would. Our theme song is The Nux. By Kazam Blam. You can check him out on Bandcamp. And I'm sure elsewhere, fuck Bandcamp. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, uh, well, specifically Tencent and Epic Games. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <clears throat> if you like the show, 
and you do, yeah, tell your friends. Share it on the internet with this week's hashtag. What is it, Finn? Some some fucking bullshit like uh, like hashtag uh, uh, like fucking fucking some- fucking hashtag Jean Luc got asshole. Starting any of our bits with some bullshit like is really pulling back the curtain too far. You could start any sentence either of us have ever said on this with some bullshit like. Uh, 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 this week, my my take on this week's hashtag is a uh, hashtag man with a movie slammerer. And what what uh, what does that mean? It means he's fisting me with a movie camera. Oh, sounds unpleasant. I mean, they get pretty kept- small these days. Yeah, not 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 in nineteen twenty eight. No, Alexa, LF Mini, put a probe lens on that. Would only kill me. <laughs> you know, would only just absolutely invert me, tear me apart. Yeah, you just get your first person to get zooed by a camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, we're in a quiet place. <laughs> 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 oh my god! <laughs> 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 We're in Acquired Taste. It'd be great if more people could acquire it. What are we watching next week, Finn? Number number nine, nine, nine. Uh, n- uh, next week we are doing John Ford and John Wayne's uh, unassailable and inarguable masterpiece, The Searchers. And with that, we are watching uh, another film with a questionable portrayal of Native Americans made by someone with... The questionable politics. It is S. Craig Zahler's Bone Tomahawk. What? On t- in terms of questionable politics, yeah. was S. Craig Zahler physically held back from attacking physically the woman who accepted Marlon Brando's Godfather Oscar because she was giving a speech about the portrait treatment of indigenous Americans? Uh... Who who did that? Uh, who who is the guy who did that? That uh, uh, that is an unconfirmed account of something John Wayne uh, maybe wanted to do. Oh yeah, okay. What about all the confirmed accounts of him and John Ford just beating their wives publicly? Uh, that was uh, that was John Wayne and John Ford. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to next week. I'm I'm, I'm sure you'll make it a real fun time. Movies are good. Even bad ones. Go watch them. I really feel like we should carve out an exception in that for Win from the East. George Michael. Yeah.
There's Wham songs and George Michael songs. What George? I thought it was pretty strictly Wham. Oh, look, I can't. I can't remember. It's been, it's been two and a half years since I saw that movie. Then you should go back again. No, Finn. No, Finn. No, please. No, for me. No, but Finn. No, you'll never guess what happened last Christmas. No, I won't. I gave you my heart. <laughs> No, last Christmas we we saw The Matrix and it was fucking dope.